0: This morning, before we look at the book of James, I'd like for us to consider a question. It's a question that I may have asked you to consider at some point in the past, but I wanna ask you to consider it again. And that question is this, is how many of us can ever look back to a time in life when somebody used us? Somebody used us. They got from us exactly what they wanted They got from us exactly what they felt they needed from us, and as soon as they got what they wanted or as soon as they got what they needed, we no longer existed in their little world, in their little life. I don't know if it's happened to you. It's happened to me a couple of times. I can't look back and say, oh, man, this has happened many, many, many times, but I can look back over the course of my life and and see that there have been times and there have been moments where people have, Uh, used me, they've got what they wanted, and then all of a sudden I was dead to them. And when that happens, I think that you would be of the same mindset, that you would be of the same spirit, that you don't appreciate someone trying to use you. Would you agree that you don't enjoy that? You don't appreciate it? You don't say, man, I wish more people used me on a regular basis. That's not our attitude. That's not our approach to life. In fact, it bothers us when people do try to use us and when people try to take advantage of us. But again, I I think this would be true, but I don't know for sure. But I'm just going to throw this out here for consideration. You think about it. But while it frustrates me and bothers me that people would try to use me, It upsets me as much or more to know that I have let people use me. I've asked the question before, maybe you've asked a similar question how could I not see that coming? How was I so blind to that? How could I be so stupid? It was fairly obvious the only reason they were around was to see what they could get, to see what they could finagle, see what they could get from me. How could I not see that? And it disturbs me greatly not only that they would do it, but that I would allow it. It's disappointing not just toward them. It is also disappointing toward me that I would not be able to see it. Somebody says, oh, you're just the trusting type. No, sometimes I'm just stupid and I just don't catch it, and I just don't see it. Now, this morning we're going to talk about that principle for a few moments, but before we do, I want us to look in the book of James. The book of James is one of my favorite books in all the scripture. I love it. It's, it's so full of, of practical teaching, practical instruction for the believer. But I want us to look this morning in chapter 1, verse number 13. Chapter 1, verse number 13. Here is what the Bible says, not me. The Bible says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Just pause very quickly right here and understand this simple truth God never tempts anyone to sin. The Bible makes that abundantly clear. The Bible spells it out for us so clearly here in verse number 13. That God is never, ever, ever going to tempt someone to sin. Now, the scripture does not say that God prevents or keeps people from being tempted to sin. All right? But we can know this that when a temptation comes in our life to sin, that it was not from the hand of God, that it was not directed by God. James spells out for us let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Why? For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God is untemptable. God is unapproachable with the subject of sin. He is incapable of being tempted. And as such, he will not tempt you and I to sin. So where does this sin come from? Well, verse number 14, James continues to explain. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Well, what's the problem? The problem is this. I have a sinful flesh and you have a sinful flesh. Which means I have sinful desires and you have sinful desires. It doesn't matter how long we've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how much we strive to serve God. It doesn't matter how much we strive to walk in obedience to the Lord. You and I still have a sinful flesh. You and I still have sinful desires. We still have sinful tendencies. And based upon those things, it is our own lust. It is our own desires that cause us to be led away by Satan. And we'll deal with that more in just a couple of moments. But Satan is there to prey upon the temptations and the desires that we have. Okay? So every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. And then it says in verse number 15, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. And so here's what James teaches believers. He would teach us today, if he could stand before us, God never tempts anyone to sin. God cannot be tempted with sin, therefore He will not tempt anyone else to sin. James goes on to say the reason that we're tempted to sin is because of our own sinful desires and our own sinful wants in life. And here's what happens. We are drawn away with those desires. We are drawn away with those lusts. And here's what happens. We begin to entertain these things, and then sin, when it hath conceived itself, when we act upon those things that we've been thinking about, it bringeth forth the sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. There is always a painful consequence to sin. No one ever lives in sin without there being a consequence to that sin. All right. So if someone sins, the, the thought of some might be, well, I can't help this. If we've all got a sinful flesh, if we've all got a sinful tendency and sinful desires, then it must not be my fault that I sin. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13. A familiar portion of Scripture to many of us. Says this, There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Now what is Paul communicating in 1 Corinthians chapter 10? He is saying this, that you have never experienced a temptation that is not common to man. Any temptation you've ever dealt with, any temptation I've ever dealt with, guess what? Somebody else has dealt with the same or similar temptation in their life. All right, so you're not experiencing some strange temptation that no one else has ever dealt with. I'm not experiencing some strange temptation that no one else has ever dealt with. Listen, what you and I deal with by way of sinful tendencies and sinful temptations, it's been around forever. The exact scenarios may vary a little bit, but but the same principle or the same temptation has been laid out there for people in the past. And here's what Paul said God is faithful who will not allow us or suffer us to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. Here's the bottom line. Temptation may come, but I don't have to succumb to it. The temptation may be placed before me. The desire may be brought to my attention. And and, and it may be brought to me, hey, do this, do this, do this, or do this, whatever it may be. And the temptation may be there. The temptation may be real. The temptation may be strong. But I do not have to succumb to the the temptation. And whatever your temptation regarding sin may be, the Bible says this. First of all, it's not of God. God is not the author of that temptation. It is because of your own lusts and your own desires. But understand this, when you are tempted, you don't have to act upon it. You don't have the right to say, well, it's not my fault. If you only knew the way I was raised, if you only knew the, the kind of upbringing I had, if you only knew the circumstances, you'd understand why I didn't. No, no, no. No. Paul said this, he makes a way to escape temptation that we may be able to bear it. Understand this, please, this morning as the message continues. Understand, you and I do not have to give in to temptation to sin. I don't have to. You don't have to. We as believers do not have to give in to the temptation to sin. Now, why do we say all this? Well... For the last several months, a little over a year now, we've been looking at the life of David, correct? All right, we've been looking at the life of David. He has gone from the shepherd boy watching his father's sheep to living in the house of Saul, the king of Israel at the time, to the time that he was appointed king over Israel himself. He has served now for many years. Listen, please. He has served now for many years, and David is no longer a young man. It was in the final verses of chapter 21 that we watched this. David went out to battle as he had done so many times past against the Philistines. And in this particular battle, he waxed faint or he grew weary. David is no longer the young man that he once was. David is a man who is in his upper 60s, most likely, at this stage of writing. And and, and so here is David. He is not a young, silly, immature boy. This is a man who has been through the battles, who has been through the trials, who has been through the struggles. On and on and on it goes. And notice what it says in verse number 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 24. 2 Samuel chapter 24, it says... And again, the anger of the Lord was kindled. The anger of the Lord was kindled. Now, keep in mind, if you want to, for future reference, you can look at 1 Chronicles chapter 21 and get the parallel scripture on this, and it'll prove the same point that we're dealing with in a few moments. But in chapter 24, 2 Samuel, verse number 1, it says, And again, the anger of the Lord was kindled. Now, if you and I know anything about scripture immediately, we know this. That's not good. It is never a good thing that, that we read the anger of the Lord was kindled. Why? Because it generally means judgment is on its way. Right. Outside of the mercy of God, outside of the intervention of someone, for a people who has sinned, for a people who has failed, outside of something like that, when the anger of the Lord is kindled, judgment is about to take place. Now, I want us to see what it says in verse 1 because this is important. It says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. What is Israel? It's a nation. It's not a person. It is a nation. God is not just angry at one person. He is not just angry with one family. He is not just angry with one tribe. When the scripture says that the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, we are talking about a nation as a whole that God is angry with. Why would God be angry with Israel? Why would his anger be kindled toward Israel? Well, here's what we know. It's not because of their strict obedience to the law at this time. Right. Yeah, right. It's not as though Israel is living in such obedience to the word of God that the Lord has said, you know what, this is ridiculous. This is making me upset and mad that they're following my law so closely and so as with such attention. No, that's not at all the mindset of the Lord. We understand this, that the Lord's wrath or anger would have been kindled because of their disobedience to his law. Here is the law. Here is the word. Here is my expectation upon your life, and you are not doing what I have commanded you to do. Therefore, I'm growing weary of this. I'm getting tired of this. I'm getting sick of this. So now my anger is kindled. We understand this, don't we? We say this to our kids. I'm getting upset. You're pushing my buttons. I, I, I'm getting tired of these, beha- these actions or, or this behavior. So, so we understand what's going on in the mind of the Lord. The, the people of Israel are not living as they should, and, and, and God's not pleased with it. So notice what it says in verse number 1. And he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. Now, if we were to just look at verse number 1 by itself, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah, here is what one might think immediately, that the reference or the statement or the word he there is a reference to God. That might be the assumption of some, and, and, and I don't know about you, but many times I've read this and not really thought a whole lot of it. I just kind of know the story and keep on reading. But this week it got my attention and it says, and he moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. Well, who is this he? Because here's what we'll understand in a few moments. It was not God's will for the people of Israel to be numbered at this time. So here is David, and he is about to instruct his people to be numbered. He is going to instruct certain men to go out and take a census and and find out what the the number is. And in verse number 3, it's clear that Joab is in disagreement with this. It says, And Joab said unto the king, Now the Lord thy God, add unto thy people how many soever they be, an hundredfold. So here's what Joab says. Hey, hey, listen, God blessed the king of Israel, and, and, and God blessed him bountifully, but this is not... What we ought to be doing right now. But what does David do? He refuses to listen to the counsel and the instruction of Joab. So he demands that it be done. And so now Joab and others go out and they begin to get a number of the people of Israel. But it says in verse number 1, this is what we can't get away from. Verse number 1 it says, And he moved David. What does this mean when it says he moved David? All right, well, the word he is not a reference to the Lord. We understand that, and 1 Chronicles 21 clearly states that it wasn't him. First Chronicles makes it very clear that it was Satan who moved David to do this. Now understand, please, based upon what we've read already from the book of James and the book of First Corinthians, The temptation did not come from the Lord. God would never have tempted David to do something that which was wrong, that which was sinful, that which was wicked. That that is not at all what God would have done. Okay, so when it says he moved David, this in comparison to 1 Chronicles 21, here's what we understand, that it was Satan who stirred up the heart of David, who encouraged David to go out and number the people, even against the advice and the counsel of a trusted individual like Joab. So what would cause David to want to do this? Well, there had to be some kind of a lust. There had to be some kind of a personal desire on his part that would even entertain the idea of doing something that he ought not do. So what was that lust? What was that desire? Well, we don't know for sure because the Scripture doesn't spell it out, but here's what many conclude. Many conclude that it was this. The pride of David... To be able to say, look at the number of people in my kingdom. To be able to say, look how many soldiers fight on our behalf. Look how many men are present in the nation of Israel. Look how many families are are identified. And and, and look at how great our nation is. We don't know exactly what it was, but there was something by way of sinful tendency, by way of sinful lust or desire, that, that David struggled with. And when Satan Knew that lust and that desire, knowing that God was angry with the people of Israel, David, I'm sorry, Satan stepped in and moved David, stirred him to do something that he ought not do, and thus the people of Israel were numbered. All right, we understand this. Did David have to succumb to this temptation? No. Listen, pride and everything that went with it, that was not a new temptation. That was not something that was uncommon to man, no. The temptation to let your pride step in, to, to let your pride get the best of you, that was something that many before David and many after David would have to deal with and struggle with. And just as it is true for you and I today, it would have been true for David, that there was a means of escape. David could have been tempted. David could have had this lustful desire to go out and number the people, this, this temptation to go out and number the people for the cause of his pride. But when Joab warned against him, he could have said, Hey, you know what, Joab, you're exactly right, and I'm not going to fall into that trap, I'm not going to fall into that snare, and I'm not going to do it. But he did. Right. Right. Why? Because he did not exercise the means available to him to escape that temptation. Are you following this? Joab says, don't. And David says, I will. Joab says, not a good idea. David says, I don't care. I'm doing it. He had the means to escape the temptation but he chose not to. And what happened? Well, the Bible tells us that because of David's numbering the people, Israel, whom the Lord is angry with right now already because of their disobedience, God is going to begin to pour out his judgment on Israel, and thousands of people are going to die. Now listen, please. Israel is responsible for their sin. Don't misunderstand me here. Israel is responsible for their sin. And David is responsible for his sin. But here's what you find from Second Samuel 24 and First Chronicles 21. Here is what David allowed Satan to do. To use him. To manipulate him. To play him. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Satan would have known that. Somebody says, well, how would Satan have known that? Do you realize the Scripture teaches from the book of Job that Satan has access to the presence of God? Satan presented himself into the presence of God in the days of Job. And and, 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 and listen, Satan knows what's right, he knows what's wrong, and, and, and he would have been fully aware of the sinful condition of Israel at this time, and whatever it would have been. Listen, Satan would have known all that, and that it was stirring up the anger of the Lord. And so here is David, and he's just one more pawn. And it's because David allowed himself to be used that God eventually poured out his wrath... And poured out his judgment on the people of Israel, and many, many souls were lost because of these events. As you read through this, and we'll look at it in more detail at a later time, but as you read through this, here's what you discover. There was regret on David's part. There was great regret on David's part. Why? Because he had allowed himself to be used. He had allowed himself to let Satan fool him and deceive him, and, and David didn't take advantage of the escape that he had. And so what do we see David doing? We see David crying out to God and offering up a sacrifice to try to, to, try to stay the hand of God from killing the people of Israel. And, and in all of this, here's what we see. David had great regret. That when he was warned of Joab, don't do this, that he didn't listen. Amen. When he still had the chance to say, no, we're not going to do this, he didn't do it. He, he went ahead and followed through with it. And all the calamity and all the death and all the pain and all the suffering that befell the people of Israel, David recognized it's because of my sin. It's because of what I did that now the nation of Israel is suffering to the extent and to the degree that they are. This morning I want us to think about something for just a few moments. We're not going to be here a real long time, so just give attention to this and and just see if there are any correlations to be made and and some applications to be made. But but this morning I want us to think about something. If we're a child of God, then, then here's what we ought to know. We will be tempted to sin. We will be tempted to sin. Why? Because Satan knows my weakness. He knows your weakness. He knows all of our weaknesses. And, and he's going to try to, try to uh, I don't know, take advantage of it. And I don't know how else to say it, but he's going to try to take advantage of that and, and help us in this endeavor to do things that we know we ought not do. Now, understanding that I'm going to be tempted, that you're going to be tempted, we've got to keep in mind we don't have to give in. You remember this? I mean, I just said this a few moments ago, so please don't act surprised. We don't have to give in to sin. But let me ask us, how many of us would have to admit there have been times in our spiritual lives we've not been where we should be? Hello, we've not been where we should be, and Satan comes along. Knowing what our struggles are, knowing what our weaknesses are, knowing those desires that we have that are not good and godly desires. How many of us today would have to be honest and say there have been times that we've not been where we should be in our spiritual life, And Satan comes along at just the right time for him and just the wrong time for us and presents to us the perfect opportunity to do the very thing we know we ought not do. It happens far more than we'd like to admit, doesn't it? And as a result, here's what happens. Satan uses us and our own spiritual weakness, and our own ignorance, and our own weakness, I don't know how else to put it, to not just use us, but by then, by extension then, to hurt people around us that really didn't deserve it. So I don't know if that's ever happened to me. Let me ask you just a few questions, and and you just see if anything like this has ever happened to you. Has there ever been a time in your life when you could have been a help to a situation? But rather than helping the situation, you only made things worse? You, You know... You could have stepped up and you could have said something. Like, hey, the conversation doesn't really need to go there, and we probably ought to just stop before it goes any further in this direction. We could have said something, but see, we weren't in a spiritual position to, to really do that. We were kind of weak in our spiritual life. And, and, and after all, Satan kind of knew that we were frustrated as well, and we were kind of irritated as well. And so in that moment where we could have been the one to step up and kind of bring a, a righteousness to the situation, a, a point where we would say, hey, listen, that's not profitable, that's not good. What we're talking about, what we're doing isn't scriptural. No, we're not going to do that. But but rather, here's what happened. Boy, the conversation got started, and we were already frustrated, and, and, and that Holy Spirit saying, hey, don't say that. You don't need to contribute to that. Rather than us listening to that, well, we just jumped right there in the middle of the conversation. And we got just as negative, and we got just as hateful, and we got just as critical of, of the situation as these people were. And, and then, you know, at the end of the conversation, it's kind of like, man, I hope nobody finds out what we said. You know why? Because we know what we said would be hurtful to the people if it ever got back to them. Now, you know what we've done in a situation like that when we knew that we weren't supposed to say something, when we knew that we weren't supposed to be be talking about that and having that kind of a conversation? You know what we did? We just let Satan use us. Because we had the means to escape. We had the means to step up and to say something. Hey, we're not going to have that conversation, at least not in my presence. We had the ability to excuse ourselves from the situation and make these people feel very uncomfortable that they were having this conversation. But no, we didn't do that. We just stayed right there in the middle of the conversation and let Satan just continue to build up the animosity and the frustration and the bitterness between the people and... Sure didn't help a situation. It only made matters worse. How many times has it happened in our lives where we could feel ourselves getting stirred up and it wasn't a good kind of stirring? There's this little voice inside you saying, Settle down. Listen little voice inside of you saying, calm down. Don't respond this way. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. But see, there was also a, another conversation going on in your head saying, you're mad. You're angry. You're, 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 you're upset. And how many times have we just let loose of our emotions? And things began to spill out of our mouths in anger. That by the time it was all said and done, we sure felt good about what we said because we finally got it off our chest. The only problem is, is we hurt a whole lot of people because we exercised no control over our emotions. You know what Satan did? He just used us to get from us exactly what he wanted. He wanted there to be those hurt feelings. He wanted there to be those people who were now upset because of what you had to say or what I had to say. He just accomplished in us or through us what he hoped to accomplish because we did not take advantage of the escape that was available to us. How many times have we let Satan defeat us in the area of faith people are struggling people are hurting people are are dealing with their own questions and in the back of your mind you know the scripture you know what the bible says and We need to be men and women of faith. We need to be men and women who place our trust and our confidence in the power of God and the provision of God and the protection of God, the deliverance of God. We know all that. But rather than stepping up and exercising that faith, no, what do we do? We buy into the lie that Satan is telling us, and he's saying, Doubt God. Doubt God. Question God. Don't put your trust in Him. You can't do this. And what do we find ourselves? We find ourselves many times as frantic as the people around us when we ought to be the ones stepping up and saying, hey, listen, we're going to place our trust and our confidence in God. We're not going to let this sway us. You know what we've just done? We've just let Satan use us. He knew that we were struggling. He knew that we were having our own doubts and our own questions. But rather than us taking advantage of, of what God makes available for, for us and to us to step up and do the right thing, no, we just, hey, we had our own lust. We had our own desires. We had our own struggles. And rather than taking advantage of what God provided, we just let Satan lead us along into that same arena of a lack of faith as everyone else around us. And how many more areas could we address? How many homes have been broken? Because one of the people involved, or maybe even both, gave in to those temptations. I'm not happy in my marriage anymore. My marriage doesn't satisfy me the way that it once did, and and you know I just I, I'm not as happy. And and you know what Satan's doing? Yeah, you're right. You're not as happy as you once were. You know what? I think there's more joy out there, and I think this lady over here would give you more pleasure. Or I think you know to the lady, this man would give you the 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 the, the feelings of prettiness and security that you need and and yeah that's what you need to do. You need to you need to start spending time with them and start, you know, associating with them and you know, just do some things that might not be totally above board, but just do that and listen. And rather than taking advantage of the escape from that temptation that God provides, they just go ahead and they continue to think upon it and Satan just continues to tempt and put the opportunities there and before they know it (laughs) Sin. What did Satan do? Used you. Because spiritually you weren't in the position you should have been in. And rather than resisting the temptation, rather than fleeing from the temptation, you gave in to the temptation. How many leadership failures have taken place because men and women let Satan dupe them into thinking it wasn't their responsibility to be the leader they were called to be? You don't have to do that. It's not the man's responsibility anymore, or to the children. It's not the lady's responsibility anymore. I'm just going to be the good guy. I'm just going to be the good mom. I'm just going to be the one who's cool. I'm just going to be the one who's the friend. And I'm just going to kind of take into consideration the thought process and the mentality of the culture we live in today, rather than what does the Bible say. No, we're just going to go ahead and let Satan lead us along and string us along, and we'll just be the cool parent. Listen, please. We'll just be the cool parent. And that all goes good and fine for a while until the kids begin to spin out of control. And then they're hurting, then dad and mom are hurting, then grandparents are hurting, then friends are hurting, and people are hurting over a situation that never had to take place if dad and mom just hadn't ever bought into the lie that Satan presented to them in the first place. How many churches have been messed up because the preacher didn't step up and make the way of escape that he should have made whenever the temptation presented itself to him? How many churches have been hurt and split and divided because the church people didn't step up to the plate and do what they could have done when they could have done right? They chose not to. They just went along with the temptation and the, and the, and the lust that was before them and, and caused the problem. Do you see how far this reaches? When you and I are not in the position we're supposed to be in from a spiritual standpoint, here's what's going to happen. Satan is going to make sure that we're tempted. Whatever my struggle is, whatever your struggle is, he's just going to throw it out there for us, and he's going to give us the perfect opportunity to walk right into it. And if you and I aren't smart enough to see it, And if you and I don't have enough discernment to say, hold on, this is not of the Lord, because the Lord gets blamed for a whole lot of things he had nothing to do with. If you and I don't see this and we don't have the discernment to say this is not of the Lord and therefore I will not fall into it, guess what? We will. And we will soon find ourselves engaged in activity that God never ordained for our life. We will find ourselves doing things we have no business doing, and there will be a consequence to that action at some point in the future that not only grieves us, but it will hurt those around us. Amen. I look back over the course of my life, and I say, you know, I think in this situation they used me, and over here I, yeah, they got the best of me here. But in my spiritual life, when I'm honest, you know what I have to say more times than I care to admit? Man, he got me again. He he saw me coming. He got me to do exactly what he wanted me to do, and then whenever I got to deal with the consequences of it, he was nowhere in sight. He used me there. He manipulated me. Listen, it's not his fault. It's my fault. Why? Because either I didn't see it coming or I didn't want to admit to it when I did see it, and I wanted to pretend it was no big deal. I don't know about you, but at least for myself, there have been so many times that I've been disgusted with myself. <sighs> I did it again. I fell for it again. How could I not see that one? How could I be so blind? How could I be so stupid to let the same thing happen That has happened so many times before. Whether you realize this or not, I'm going to remind us anyway, Satan wants to use you. He wants to manipulate you. He wants to do everything he can to mess up your life and to mess up the lives of the people around you. And you and I need to be awake and alert to that truth. And when those moments come that our tendencies and our desires and our temptations rise up, before we act on it, we need to say something to this effect. I mean, in our heart and mind, God, I don't want to do anything that would be sinful. God, I don't want to do anything that would be wicked. I don't want to do anything that would bring about your judgment on my life or those that I care. And so, God, I'm not going to fall for this one this time. If you'll give me the help and the strength and the grace to get through this one, I won't do it. But listen, if we're not awake and alert to the temptation, we will never escape it. And Satan will just continue to use us to wreak havoc in the lives of ourselves and so many others around us. Do we really want Satan to continue to use us? That's our choice. Why? Because God has made a way of escape if we'll only take advantage of it. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you would use this message to remind us of the ways of Satan. The Bible says that he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour? Lord, would you help us to understand?